0: Welcome to Wannabe, the podcast
1: that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. Happy Black History Month. I'm Imriel Morgan, founder of Content is Queen, a podcast community that specializes in empowering and amplifying underrepresented voices, specifically women, people of color and LGBTQIA people come through thank you so much for taking the time to be here today wannabes focus is to help you take consistent action to build a successful life and career in the creative and entertainment industries but this month we're gonna spend some time looking back as well as forward today's guest is alaya kinkube who is the founder and mastermind of at a black history of art on instagram which she founded in february 2020 Alaio is an art history graduate from Cambridge University and is currently studying for her master's in curating at Courtauld. Through her page at A Black History of Art, Alaio highlights overlooked black artists, sitters, curators and thinkers from art history and the present day. As of this recording, the platform has over 50,000 followers. In today's interview, Alayo shares what she loves about art history and how she was able to carve out a lane in a space that traditionally excludes Black art and history. We explore what success looks like in this space and how that's reflected in her career. We also dive deeper into some of the barriers to entry in art and art history and how you can overcome them. Let's get into it. Who did you want to be before you became who you are today and why?
2: I really wanted to be an art curator, which is interesting because in some ways starting my Instagram page has turned me into somewhat of a curator in that I'm the one who gets to decide what goes where and what the text says and all of that. But it's still kind of an aspiration of mine. And right now I'm doing an MA in curating at the Courtauld to realise that goal of becoming a full-on curator and creating exhibitions and that kind of thing but also I mean I guess now I'm very very content with the way things are going with a black history of art and Mm -hmm. I guess myself as a result of a black history of art it's sort of turning itself into a career which to me is amazing so for this to have created itself this career getting to do things like this and giving talks and writing articles and contributing and people caring about my opinion all of that to me is like I didn't even know that that was something I wanted, but I'm really, really content with the way things are now, career-wise. That's amazing. Um, I think being a curator is just something else that would be an added benefit if I'm able to
1: do it alongside all of this. What is the difference between what you're doing on Instagram, for example, and what does it mean to be a curator? Because I guess for... Some of us think the lines are blurred and there's not really a distinction between the two. You can call yourself that if you wanted to, or some people will. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, what is the distinction that you're making in your mind between those two places? So I think
2: being actually able to put on shows in physical spaces or in galleries or in big institutions or something like that. I'm thinking Tate and like all of those very popular museums and art institutions. But also just the actual ability to engage with works of art and to do everything that comes with an exhibition which is often like a catalogue and a lot of writing and research and discussing with artists all of that kind of thing which I don't do as much for the Instagram page mm-hmm. I think that curating physical spaces would be a much more hands-on experience obviously yeah. and I think curators have a lot of power to change the course of art histories there's like people who I really admire like a man called Okwe Wezo that died a couple of years ago he was a Nigerian curator And I think he's been extremely influential in decolonial discourse. So I think curators basically have a lot of power,
1: like more power than you might initially think to change things. I want to question the idea of having more impact. Because arguably... A limited number of people can walk through the doors of a physical institution right and that's yeah. like specific to the geography like the taters in London so you have to be a Londoner. Yeah so you have to specific. be
2: and yeah and also so many limitations of that in that like some people can't afford to come to London exactly. some people can't afford to leave their home country
1: Yeah so then is it a little bit and please do not take this the wrong way by yeah, me asking, no, no, no. but is there a little bit of it being the prestige and because these institutions are so prestigious so old yeah. that actually in the world of art because it's still got I guess it has certain kind of of yeah. being reasonably elitist yeah oh yeah and i don't mean <laughs> that in like the wrong way but i think yeah. that's j- that's widely held or widely understood?
2: I think it is. It kind of does almost come down to the prestige, sadly, because I feel like I would give myself, for me, that would be like validation. I'd be like, okay, i made it. They've said that I can curate this show and people have seen it and they said it's good. It comes from this inner thing of like wanting to be accepted by the art world to be an approved voice of authority or something like that. And because I was kind of thrust into this position with my Instagram page, I remember initially when people started asking me to write articles and to speak on things I was like why are they asking me like I don't have any authority I'm just an undergraduate student just because my page blew up doesn't mean that I should be doing these things but then I realized that it was an imposter thing because I have done these things now and I'm like oh I am capable and you don't need to tick this box of being an incredibly well-known creator approved by the mainly white art world yeah. in order to have authority or in order for what you say to matter so I think it actually comes from that thing deep down of being like I just want to be seen as someone who can and someone whose voice matters and someone who has done these amazing things, therefore we should listen to her kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, really interesting that you just tapped into something there.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's because I, I kind of relate to it in that there's, at least for me, it definitely comes from a place of feeling like an imposter. When I was much younger, a lot of the validation I would have been seeking would have been coming from a place of the white gaze and yeah. I've had to really one deconstruct that and break that down for myself and be like yeah nah, bun them I don't care but, exactly. <laughs> but actually there's still something in me that wants you know it's whether it's awards or to yeah. be in a certain paper or yeah. to be recognized by certain those are the things, things. that yeah it's
2: like self validation yeah. because like you I don't I don't know it's it's strange it's like it feels like it's never enough I'm like I need this thing that makes it official yeah, that exactly. makes like everything I've been doing count if this random institution acknowledges me or some award system acknowledges me
1: yes exactly I know exactly what you mean I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with it either I think Mm -hmm. it's perfectly fine and natural to have that because those have for such a long time in the markers of of success for your industry as well as others there's just certain things that mean that this is successful like the Oscars even though we know Oscars so white Yes, exactly. People still want to win an Oscar. And when they win that yeah. Oscar, are they gassed yeah. are they not guessed? And they're proud. Exactly. exactly. And also <laughs> the other
2: thing is everyone who knows all this is also proud when you when know, they like, do so, it. Exactly. Yeah, when they do it. Yeah.
1: So there is something to that. There's not. And I, yeah, I, I think if we can make that separation, if we know in ourselves, actually, it's probably not about the white people acceptance. It's actually just this has become a marker of success in and of yes, itself. And yes, that exactly. Is that is what I'm seeking not their acceptance yes yeah and i think that distinction is getting clearer and clearer and more now for creatives i do want to speak on the time you spend curating and researching the content that you not only put on your page but can you talk us through how you decide what gets shown seen what you choose to express on your page and yeah. also what doesn't what doesn't make the cut yeah what's your process the initial
2: idea was i was going to post about black sitters from art history because for some reason when i was studying art history at university and at school I was always drawn to paintings of black figures. And I suppose because we weren't studying any black artists, that was the closest thing I could get to like studying something black. And so it was black sitters, black artists, curators and thinkers, just because there was such a lack of it in my studies, my formal studies. And I was like, how can I go out into this world wanting to change things when (laughs) I literally have no knowledge of art by black people, Mm. of authors who have written about black things in art history I just felt a huge disconnect and so I made the page to self-educate I had no idea that it would get really big so now most of the time I'm posting artworks and less about curators and thinkers which is still my bio but I like to bring them in by saying so-and-so wrote this about this painting or, yeah. so, or this was included in so-and-so's exhibition I think that's kind of a better way than I don't know for me it has felt like a better way of doing it than just posting a picture of a black curator and saying this is so and so yeah
1: that makes sense
2: so I feel like I'm kind of applying their ideas or like reading their work and putting it in the context of paintings and art and sculptures and everything. I would like to not post two American, African American artists in a row, for instance, Mm -hmm. and post about works from artists all over the world. So I have a natural tie to Nigeria because that's where I grew up. That's where my family lives. I only have a Nigerian passport. So I find that I'm constantly wanting to post about these Nigerian artists and I kind of have to stop myself because Mm -hmm. I want to keep it as international as possible. So posting about Latin American artists, Indigenous Australian artists, Aboriginal artists, and just Artists in the diaspora that are based everywhere. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing. And then the other thing is I want to post about different media. I do like to switch up. Photography also does really well on Instagram because it looks good. You're getting us close, quite close to the real thing. Sculpture, kind of difficult, but I also like to include sculptures. But yeah, I think the main thing is when I'm curating it, is I'm thinking about just diversity in every sense. So black artists all over the world, different media.
1: I really love that, though, to think the majority of people will not do that. (laughs) So you're already thinking above and beyond what everyone else thinks. And there's, it's quite (laughs) probably having worked in diversity and inclusion and and what we do on our platform is all about inclusion. And it is you have to consciously think about it and force yourself.
2: Yes, exactly. It's something you have
1: to actively do. It's not going to just happen. It doesn't happen. You know all the stuff,
2: you know, and it is going to be centered somewhere whether it's UK whether it's Nigeria where Mm -hmm. like so you have it's like a conscious effort yeah
1: exactly and so you have to seek that out and I think Mm -hmm. what frustrates me about this work sometimes is that people think it's just coming naturally to you to do that and I suppose maybe the the only natural part is that my inclination is to look beyond myself yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) which I guess is not I guess that's not natural for everyone (laughs) yeah not everybody
2: has that exactly yeah Yeah. the desire Mm -hmm. or the
1: will but it is I think that's really commendable so well done on you to one do that and then be committed to maintaining that diversity and maintaining that diversity of thought and of art as well because. There are so many people erased in that space already yeah. <laughs> that mm-hmm. we don't even know about. So to go as far as Latin America, who, which, you know, in, in even me <laughs> wouldn't even think about. Yeah. It, w- it would take a few jumps for me to get to. Oh, yeah. What about this area? And so, yeah, it, it does take you to take extra steps to really think about what is blackness in the broadest sense. If you're presenting a platform for that. So, I, no, it's, I think that's sick. <laughs> um, <laughs> like Well Thank done <laughs> on doing it and, and being committed to that. I would love to speak about your background in art history. Why art history? Mm -hmm. I imagine that you don't see a lot of yourself reflected in these courses and spaces. 100%. So (laughs) what was the motivation? What inspired you to even enter the space and then persist and carry on? But what was the first seed that was like, this is what I love and this is what I want to do? Well...
2: I had done like GCSE art and I realized after doing it that I really wasn't a gifted painter or artist myself. I didn't have that creativity, but I really loved art. I didn't know where I stood in relation to art because I wasn't an artist. And then we had the option to do history of art. So I did that and I really enjoyed it. And I had wanted to study English at university, Mm -hmm. but I had this one teacher at my school who was also my tutor. So she was responsible for my pastoral care, also like my interest in just basically trying to get the best out of me and she recommended that I do this art history competition which was to speak for 10 minutes about the painting the painting I chose is just so happens this was in like 2017 but the painting I chose ended up being the first painting that I posted on Black History of Art and it's also the picture that I use in my profile picture in the black history of Art profile picture amazing so in a way I guess it was that painting because I started researching it and it was a black sitter there was very little about her when I was researching it nobody knew her name or anything but since then and I really only noticed this when I started the page a lot of research has been done they know that her name was Madeline and like she was a servant I think So when I was researching this work, I was thinking about the way her body was presented. Did she have a say in how she was seen? Because it's like a semi-nude work. And there's obviously an imbalance of power between the white artist and the black sitter in that time. It was painted in like 1800. And for me, I wasn't really one of those people at that time who would go out of my way to do things like competitions at school. Like This was the first competition I'd ever done. And I remember I, I I won the one at school, and then I got to speak in the regionals, and then I came second in the regionals. But it was like a turning point. I was like, I love this. I just want to do this. My dad actually said he was like, "Don't do art history at university." He said it's for rich white girls. That that, that was the phrase he said. And to be honest, <laughs> is he wrong? No, no, he's not wrong. That's what like, I
1: know it to be. Didn't like yes, Prince William exactly. or Kate. Do that? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I think they. Both did I mean, it both at St Andrews or something. Yeah, yeah. It took a lot for me to get them to kind of approve. Like I would have probably been strong enough to be like, no, I'm. Do-. But I had to to get them on board with it as part of that competition. There was the I got to go to the finals at came at Cambridge, and that was when yes. I went to Cambridge. And then that was also like another step of being really inspired. So I was like, wow, I want to go here. Like, can I go here? I didn't think I could because of my GCSEs weren't stellar. So I think basically that competition, and I've said this a lot, and <laughs> this articulation competition was the turning point. And that's what made me decide to do art history, even though I didn't see myself reflected. But it's interesting that the second I was given the chance to kind of do my own research, I immediately sought out things that I felt resonated with me or topics that I felt I wanted to look into, even though yeah. at the time I didn't know what Research
1: was. I really love that though because you just do your thing, yeah. And then because you don't have any of the background knowledge, you kind of mm-hmm. just wing it. Yes, And that exactly. originality is yeah. what ma- makes you different, makes you unique. Essentially, builds you up. And so I kind of see yeah. that it's just mm-hmm. you went into this world. I don't know what this is. <laughs> I yeah, don't know I don't what know you're expecting from me. Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. what is this? I'm just going to talk about this thing that I really love. <laughs> and, yeah, and I, I exactly. like exactly. And yeah. that was appreciated, and so that's kind of like the best way to enter something. And the fact that yeah. they actually not only acknowledged it, but you won at first, and then you you still ranked really highly, like that's incredible. Because that would then, oh, I guess, that must have just instilled the confidence in you to just keep going, hundred percent pursuing yeah. that.
2: That was it. And then I saw Cambridge, and I was like, I want to be like these smart people, <laughs> 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 so hard. And this was all because of that one competition. It's like crazy how life changing that was. Because I I really do believe that it led me here.
1: And I don't know. Yeah. No, that's incredible. (laughs) Well done. No, it sounds Uh like the best way to enter. Because if you had gone in knowing all of the things, knowing all the barriers, knowing all the trappings And like even like some of the bias and the elitism that exists, Mm -hmm. maybe you would have felt, Okay, well I have to present in this way, and I have to speak yeah. this way, and I have to yeah, talk yeah. about this type of art, not this type of art. Exactly, not pay. exactly.
2: I remember there was so many times when I was like, maybe I should just love the Renaissance. Why didn't I just <laughs> like? Why didn't I just love it? Why didn't I just decide that this is going to be my thing, like my specialism? Because I was like, oh, I think I'm, I'm just doing this because I'm black. I was like, no, no, just because I'm black doesn't mean I can't do art history as we know it. But Because I'm black, it means I don't want to do art history as we know it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, all as it has been. And that was very difficult for me to reconcile.
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door.
2: I'm sure everybody knows that Black people are massively in the minority at Cambridge. Mm-hmm. So I was the only person whilst I was there in three years. And I'm pretty sure even in postgrad, I was the only Black art historian for the first two years. Wow. So. I mean, I wasn't particularly surprised, but it really did play on my mental health. And also just socially, I found it very difficult because this had been my dream. And then I got there and I just felt out of place once again. I just struggled so much. I'd never hated my difference so much. And then I remember it was like 2019. And then I went home for Christmas and my mom was like you have to just have confidence you can't constantly be thinking about your difference it's going to make it difficult to talk to people and like blah 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 because I was convinced like I can't fit in here because I'm black and I don't feel comfortable with anyone and I can't like have a normal social life because this is a world a happy world for white people like everyone mm-hmm. at Cambridge loves Cambridge except if you speak to the, a lot of the black people they'll be like this place <laughs> <Yeah>. sucks <laughs> and it's strange that straight after that was when I made a black history of art and I was like it's almost like this thing that was holding me back ends up being the thing that is like you forward, me forward.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah one that's so sad to hear and I'm sorry you had to go through that and I went to Durham yeah oh yeah <laughs> the same kind of thing and so yeah I can like when you were speaking I was like mm-hmm, those spaces <laughs> those spaces with that particular type of whiteness yeah, I didn't have the language for it. You're lucky you went a little bit later because i I think things had progressed yeah. at least in terms of how we could describe those experiences. Yes. I did not yeah. have the language. I mean, 10 before years ago. I joined,
2: someone had literally just written a book, like with murky books, um, uh, yeah. about taking up space as a black woman and their experiences of being black at Cambridge. So like, it was almost. I knew this was going to happen. You're, like, I think I was very lucky in that sense. Yeah. yeah,
1: and even when you're prepared, I don't think you're still prepared enough. Exactly. It makes me sad thinking about it because I was like obviously it's open doors and it has given me lots of opportunities. Opportunities that I don't even know I've been given because those names mean things. Those institutions mean things, especially yeah. to certain groups. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. you went there.
2: Which tend to be then the groups in power. So Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so in, in many ways, I don't want to deny someone else that privilege or deny someone else the opportunities that will be afforded to them. But my God, you have to just be strong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mentally, strong. Emotionally, mentally, exactly. <laughs> to deal with it because it's, it's, it's like level of microaggressions that I don't think anyone can yes, fully explain. Yes,
2: and you team. become you, you get gaslighted and all of this things to thing. the nth like, F- degree. <laughs> like- oh, and I remember, like suddenly everyone cared around the death of George Floyd. Everyone in Cambridge was talking about it. All these people that I never thought would be talking about mm-hmm. it. I'm like, this is all, they're all talking about it as though it's like something new and I felt like every time I would confide in a friend who was inevitably white. I did have one, luckily, another black girl in my college. But anytime I would talk about it to a white friend, I was literally I would just get gaslighted because they'd be like, I don't think it's racism. I don't think it's this. I, I like it was just <laughs> and back then I didn't actually have the word for like I didn't even know gaslighting was a thing it was only after everything I was like oh my god I've literally just been through hell yeah for exactly. the past two years
1: I completely understand why you're feeling in yourself I can't fit in because that point of difference even if they're not actively saying terrible things yeah they are saying terrible things and yes, making, exactly. they make you feel excluded by the way in which they create spaces I mean I look at London and the gentrification of London Gentrification mm-hmm. of London, everyone's like, but no one's stopping black people from going to those coffee shops. They don't need to say you're not welcome. Exactly. <laughs> they've they've designed it. you to not it. be welcome. They've designed it. And there's a people in the windows that are telling you, you do not belong. You, you don't belong here. <laughs> you don't exactly. have to say it. So I think it, that's how these institutions really work is like, there's so many of one kind that if you're not from that kind or from that group or know how to navigate, they're very distinct languages. And, oh, that could be a whole episode in and of itself. (laughs) (laughs) Being Black in elite institutions, let's talk about it.
2: Uh, (laughs) And also, can I just say, interesting, that having been in these institutions and how that may have impacted me and what we were just saying about feeling like the validation comes from these kinds of institutions, what I was saying about curating.
1: You've created this huge, huge platform that's doing such vitally important work. So I'm sure there's there's no doubt in my mind that you're going to go on to be successful in the art world just by virtue of the fact that you've created a platform that's reaching probably infinitely, like t- tens of thousands of more people. <laughs> and so you are reaching people and you're having an impact and you're bringing, almost bringing back to life, resurrecting people's work and their stories, which is so important. So, and that will will have, it will touch a lot of people. But it also the other side of that impact is, People are seeing you, a Black woman, doing that. And so they're going to see that, that they can take up space too. Are you Are you feeling like you have a, a responsibility to be an example to those that may want to follow in your footsteps?
2: Definitely, 100%. I think not just even Black women in general, but also Nigerians and West Africans. Because I think growing up in West Africa, you sort of feel like disconnected from the rest of the world. You feel like maybe you can make some change in your own country, but not so much internationally unless you're extremely lucky so I think in that sense yes so I feel a responsibility to because I'm given this platform and the opportunities to speak at places where people will hear and the the people who have more power than me to create change will hear I feel a responsibility to actually incite change because I'm like great I'm doing Instagram but like how is this affecting the way art history is taught? How is this affecting the way the exhibitions in museums are curated? How is this affecting the like how is this affecting the art world? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think I feel a responsibility to affect change, real tangible change. The biggest thing is probably education for me, because basically if the way art history is taught is changed, then it just means that moving forward, the art world will just not look the same. It is more diverse and it is more inclusive and we do engage with decolonial thought on the regular, not just for me, it was like relegated to like one week near the end of the year. Barely any decolonial, like it wasn't the norm. Yeah. So I think if I think that is the biggest thing that needs to change.
1: And I think you're right, it's like changing that tangible change, I think will have to come by virtue of like one. Uh, I think generations younger than, definitely younger than me, are demanding that change. But yeah, also, if mu- museums and galleries are becoming relics of the past, kind of like theatre, it's like mm. you're you're going to be forced to be diverse because you want people to come through your door. Exactly, they're and just people want to see themselves. Not going to
2: be relevant anymore if they stay the way they are. Like,
1: exactly. Yeah. So it must happen, whether it's by force or they just <laughs> yeah. get on board. But it's yeah, going yeah, to have yeah. to happen because people will come out if they feel part of something. People will show up. If they're included it's the exclusion that is what's keeping people outside of your doors Precisely, um, yeah. so yeah I think I think you you're definitely going to be part of that change if you're, not, you're already part of that change as you said you if the National Gallery <laughs> who you've been critical of actually can have the presence of mind to be like, well, this person's said some stuff, but we're going to bring her in anyway. Into the space anyway, yeah. like that. Pr- I think that, that is a sign of progress. What gives you joy about the work that you do? What makes you happy? What lights you up? Is there? Is it in the research and you find something new? Is it the actual artwork itself that's sparking joy? What lights you up and gives you joy in, in this work?
2: I think it's both. I think the point is that a lot of the work I'm sharing, or pretty much all the work that I'm sharing, genuinely gives me joy. I enjoy engaging with art and researching art. And that is my favorite thing to do. So the fact that this hobby is now giving me a career is incredible. Mm -hmm. And also I like the fact that my research can reach people. It means a lot to me if someone sends me a message saying, I read an article that you did on XYZ, so interesting, or well, I hadn't heard of that. I think the biggest thing that brings me joy is introducing people to new things or things that they hadn't heard. So many people will message me saying things like, This is crazy, I studied art history for three years and I did a PhD or something, but I never ever come across this artist, so thank you. I think for me, a lot of the artists I'm sharing don't even seem overlooked anymore because those are the artists that I think about all the time and that I read in the books that I choose to read. Because this is like just the space, the area of art history that I'm interested in. Yeah. So it's kind of really refreshing for me to see that someone like this is new to someone or people Mm -hmm. feel they're being introduced to something new or they're inspired by something and stuff.
1: What is your favourite moment in art history as it pertains to Black people? Okay, yeah, it's
2: very, very personal, this one, because for me, it's... Because I'm from Nigeria, from doing this page, I basically have discovered something that I would never have really discovered because they wouldn't teach this at university or at school. But in the 1960s, there was a time when a lot of photographers in the 1960s across West Africa and French and English speaking countries that were yeah, documenting the times. And one of my favorites is JD Okai Ojai Kere, and he is Nigerian. And he would take pictures of traditional hairstyles and stuff to preserve our own indigenous cultures and that kind of thing. So for me, I don't know. I, and and from doing research for the page, I discovered like this, this style of photography across West African countries. So yeah, I think for me, that is like a really special moment because It was like the moment of freedom. They're capturing a buzz at a time when West African countries were really experiencing sovereignty, freedom for Mm -hmm. the first time. And... I don't know. For me, I remember when I discovered this, I was like, wow, this is like the kind of thing that you would learn in relation to some European country in art history. And they'd be like, so let's talk about 1960s photography and X, Y, Z happened. But I was like, I'm so happy that I've been able to discover this kind of thing just by myself from doing my own research. Yeah. And like see that this was a thing, not really a movement, but something that was happening across certain countries at a specific period of time because they were suddenly being free. For me, that's my favorite favorite personal favorite because art history is always about like as I've learned it in academic institutions it's always about like trying to find a narrative and blah blah blah. blah. it felt like a discovery oh, because it wasn't nice. like I had read about photography in West Africa or anything it was just from doing the post and I was like wait this keeps happening like over and over and over yeah at this time period That's super this, cool. like yeah <laughs> so would you
1: do an exhibition on that I would
2: yeah I definitely would I would love to do like independence era photography, West African. Oh my God. Like, let's I would just love to do that. Speak it
1: into existence. <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah, manifest it. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's amazing. That sounds great. And definitely let's speak that into existence. Final question. Yep. What is the best advice you've ever received? And what is the worst advice you've ever received?
2: Best advice I've ever received from my mom around the time when George Floyd died. And I was so angry I was just burning complaining to my mum basically about racism I was like what is the point the world is set up in such a way that black people are always on the bottom like we're constantly being antagonized and everyone either in the UK particularly like gaslights you into thinking that it's not happening or they just ignore it and she said but the point is that despite all the odds black people manage to overcome everything and still achieve great things and like despite all the barriers they still manage to achieve success so she was like don't in your head, think that you can't do things just because of these things. You just have to keep going. I remember I was like, okay, I can sit here and be miserable, which I was miserable. And then I posted about a a painting by Faith Ringgold. And it was of a mother in front of an American flag. And she's like bleeding and she's holding her child a black mother. That was when Katie Hessel commented on that post or she followed me, which is what eventually led to my page blowing up because I took over her account. And that's when it got attention. And that's when the growth, the rapid growth really started. Worst advice was from someone who I thought was a friend. Oh no. Who after the page started doing very well, he was like, you don't need to do the captions. Like, why do you do the captions? And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, that's the whole thing. Like, I can't just post pictures of art. Like that that defeats the whole purpose. Part of the purpose of the page is to educate people. Why would I... Why would I not post the captions? And he was like, he was like, I just don't get it. Like, no one reads them anyway. And when he said that, I was like, okay, you're <laughs> a bad egg. Like, that's not nice. That's not a nice thing to say. But that was the worst advice. But that, since then, that person has been very unsupportive of everything. So I'm like, I know that that was terrible advice.
1: Allow is levels. I loved this conversation. It was refreshing to hear her passion and her joy, especially about the lane she occupies in art history right now. It's inspiring to see too. I highly recommend you follow at on Instagram if you're in the mood to be moved and uplifted today. Okay, so this one is definitely going to be extended for a bonus because we went to levels I couldn't fully deliver in just 30 minutes. As usual, I hope this half an hour has made you think, reflect and contemplate what your next step should be. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with your friends on social media. If you're a podcaster and thinking you want to join a community that takes you and your podcast to the next level, go ahead and visit contentisqueen.org where you can access free resources, talks and news, as well as joining our community. That's contentisqueen.org. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Bye. This is a Content is Queen production hosted by me, Imreal Morgan. Edited by Joseph Perry. Sound design by Amber Miller. Music and sound effects are from Epidemic Sound.